Thank you. Well, good morning. As, um, as you heard, I'm Jo Helenbrand, and I'm a minister at Eastwood Baptist Church, where we are so grateful for your minister, David, for being our moderator for the last two years while we were searching for a minister to join the team, which has gone well, and our new minister, Martin, started after Easter. So we're very grateful. And David doesn't have to spend so much time with us now, so I'm sure you're very grateful. Um, I'm really thrilled to be here today. And I'm especially pleased that David invited me to come to the church and not to do um, a half marathon with him on the seafront. (laughs) I've never actually preached in any other Baptist church than Eastwood. So if I'm honest, I'm a little nervous. So maybe choosing to preach from the book of Daniel this morning with all those long names wasn't my wisest decision. And Anne, I apologise to you for such a long reading, which you read so well. You must have been horrified when you saw the list of the, um, the reading. So thank you so much for reading it so beautifully. But Daniel has so much to teach and inspire us, which I hope these passages will do for us all here this morning. And so earlier in the book of Daniel, these three exiled Jewish men who we heard in our Old Testament reading, had been exhorted to positions of administrators throughout Babylon after Daniel, their fellow Hebrew, had interpreted the king's dreams. Now, the Babylonians worshipped many pagan gods, and whenever a new king would ascend to the throne, they would introduce a new god or gods, create a new order of worship, and introduce other ways to practice their faith. So the Babylonian people would have been accustomed to this practice of switching gods when they switched kings or dutifully worshipping new gods if the king decided he fancied a change. So King Nebuchadnezzar has instructed his men to build a new god, over 90 feet tall and nearly 20 feet wide, visible in that area for at least 15 miles in any direction, made of solid gold. It was enormous. This god was built to unite his empire under one god as a single religion and to inspire praise and adoration for himself as king at the centre of it all. It's been estimated that over 300,000 people would have gathered to worship this golden king, bowing down before it as the music started to play. But as we heard, these three young Hebrews remained standing, shocking everybody. But they knew the teachings of their Jewish ancestors, including one of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before Jehovah God. But can you imagine the stares of this enormous crowd, the whispers as the people started to notice, maybe even some people telling them to get on their knees for goodness sake, Nobody wanting to enrage such a volatile and unpredictable king. But they had taken a stand, and regardless of the consequences, they would not worship a false god. When confronted with a choice, they chose to follow the teachings and commands of the one true God, the same God that you and I worship here today. And I imagine reading these verses makes you think the same as I am. What would we do? I pray to God that we never have to find out. But if we do, I hope and pray our courage and faith wouldn't fail us. Because somewhere in the world right now, a Christian is being threatened because of what they believe. 
Another is going to lose their life today because they refuse to give up their faith or deny Jesus Christ. Right now, as we're worshipping and praising Jesus in the open and without fear, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are sitting in jail or being tortured because the police somewhere found out that they were holding a Bible study in their homes. For many of us, being a Christian in England hasn't really cost us very much. That first decision to follow Christ doesn't really carry much danger, some criticism and ridicule maybe, but not much in the way of actual sacrifice or the possible risk to our livelihoods or even lives. We may have gotten quite comfortable being a Christian, despite the many times we've read Jesus say to his followers that we would be despised and mistreated because of our faith and belief in him. I regularly read the reports from Open Doors, which tell us stories about the persecuted church, and I ponder, would we in this country be so brave? I'd like to think if they weren't threatening, sorry, if they were threatening me, I would. But then what if they threatened our children, our grandchildren? Would we denounce Jesus then? And then I start to think I'd possibly start justifying it in my my head why I shouldn't do anything to get my family killed. Surely Jesus wouldn't want me to lose my income, my security, my life, the life of my children when I'm working so hard and serving him, telling people about the good news of Christ. I know God doesn't want me to worship another God, but when my life and the life of my innocent family are at stake, surely he wouldn't expect me to risk it all then, would he? And what if I went with the crowd and bowed down to keep us all safe and appease those who were persecuting me, but I didn't let it touch my heart and I said prayers to Jesus as I did it? Would that make it okay? I don't know if the rest of you have those same questions in your head when you read reports. If these three men had tried to justify why they shouldn't make a stand, why surely God didn't intend for them to be thrown into the fire when Daniel had got this, their acclaimed role and where they had influence, thinking that um, they could have led them down to bow down with everybody else, then God's glory and miraculous power wouldn't have been achieved and the heart of a king wouldn't have been changed. These three young, courageous Jewish men had not only been taken from their homeland, but they had had their names changed when they arrived in Babylon. Shadrach had been called Hananiah, whose name meant Jehovah was gracious, while Shadrach in Babylonian means under the command of the moon god Aku. Every time that someone had called him Hananiah, he would have been reminded of his connection to God. But being referred to as Shadrach would have been a constant reminder that he was now a slave to a pagan people. Meshrach's Jewish name had been Mashiach, meaning God is our resemblance. His change name meant who is like Akku in Babylonian. He went from being reminded that he resembled the God of Israel to being called someone who resembled a pagan god. Achariah means God is my helper, but would be changed from being reminded that God is his helper to being called a bendigo, a servant of the Babylonian gods. From God is gracious to under the command of a moon god, Aku. From God is our resemblance to who is like Aku. From God is my helper 
to a servant of the Babylonian gods. And yet, even though Jerusalem lay in ruins, its walls and towers destroyed, its gates ripped off from its hinges, these men knew that Jehovah was still gracious. Even though their families had been decimated or scattered, perhaps led off as slaves as they had been, they still believed that their lives came could be a reflection of Jehovah. Even though they were being forced to serve their captors, they would never serve their gods. They may have lost their families, their homes, their possessions, and even their Jewish names, but they never lost their love and their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's lords were still deeply etched into their hearts, and not even under the threat of death from a king would they forget them. This passage moves me more than any other in the whole Bible. It's my favourite passage out of the whole New and Old Testament. And it always makes me really emotional when I read it. And this whole chapter tells of the power and magnificence of the God we serve. The God who created the universe, who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine, who can move mountains with the faith of a mustard seed, and who knows our every thought and hears our every prayer. But for me, reading this account of the three men going into the burning fire, seven times hotter than usual, which was so hot it killed the king's strongest soldiers, yet the Israelites walk out unharmed and unsinged, without any odour of fire on them. This isn't why this passage moves me so much. Anyone who has read even a bit of the Bible will know the amazing miracles and acts God has done for his people right from the beginning of time to the parting of the Red Sea, the feeding of 5,000, and the raising of his son Jesus from the dead. Nor is it hearing of a fourth man walking in the fire with the Jewish men, although it's a massive comfort, especially in times of trouble, to know that we are never alone that in our deepest time of need, we have a saviour who is always with us, the spirit of Christ living in the hearts of those who follow Jesus. We know this truth from the scriptures we read about this incident, with the same God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, wrestling with Jacob and speaking to Moses in a burning bush, and the same God who will later, in the book of Daniel, spend the night with Daniels in a lion's den. Isaiah's prophecy confirms this truth and promise to us in the words, When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And when you walk through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. But for me, my favourite verse in the whole Bible is the verses 16 to 18 where it says, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from his majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he doesn't save us, we will not worship another God. Oh, those words just get me every time. 
These men who had been brought up with the scriptures and commandments of God knew what their God could do. They had heard the stories of all the miraculous and astonishing things the God of Israel had done throughout their history. They knew that God could save them if, they wanted, if he wanted, that he was and is a God who can save us from anything that could ever cause us pain or suffering. And they knew without any doubt that King Nebuchadnezzar would have them thrown in the fire, even if they changed their mind and did bow down and worship his God. But their faith and courage was so strong that they would not bow down to another God, even if they weren't saved, whatever the consequences. This is the ultimate display of courage, to be willing to offer your life for Christ, not knowing whether he will step in or not. As the writer of Hebrews says, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do for me? A group of us at Eastwood um, did the prayers one and two courses during lockdown with Pete Gregg. And I don't know if you've done it or experienced it, but the first course is full of joy, of God's amazing, miraculous answer to prayer and what an incredible God we follow. But the second course was totally different. It was all about when our prayers were unanswered, when God seemed to be on mute. I have no doubt these three Hebrews were sending prayers to God as they walked towards the bellowing fire. And in this instant, God did answer their prayers. But we all know that this isn't always the case. Faith is trusting in God when everything around us seems to be falling apart, when we're in the middle of a great trial in the centre of the fire. As Peter reminds us, we shouldn't be surprised at a fiery ordeal that we may be facing as though something strange was happening to us, but rather rejoice in as much as we participate in the sufferings of Christ. However, I think we're keen to tell each other, and especially new Christians, about all the joy and blessings that we receive from God as we walk in our life of faith with him. But we aren't so ready to share the sufferings, which are a reality um, in the Bible. And it says in the book of Romans, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Many people are shattered when their prayers are not answered and often begin to doubt God. We can try and patch up these precious souls with a few words of comfort or some comments about God moving in mysterious ways, when really what we need to do is give the biblical teachings about what it means to be a Christian with all the massive highs and joys, but trials and tribulations too. And we also need to be faithful friends and walk alongside them constantly, praying to God for their faith to remain strong and for his presence to be felt as they journey through the wilderness, letting them know they are loved and precious and not going through this alone. Pete Gregg writes that living as we do in the space between the fall and the resurrection, acknowledging both the terrible afflictions of life and the miracle wandering power of prayer, the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego reminds us to believe in God even more than we believe in miracles. But to such faith, we add faithfulness. So even if our brave words fall flat, even if our prayers are not answered and we are plunged into the fiery furnace of suffering, we can still trust in a God that loves us and hears our every prayer. 
Sometimes our journey through the flames can be a powerful effect on those around us, like the effect this ordeal in the furnace head on King Nebuchadnezzar as he changes from rage to praising the God of Israel and giving a decree against anyone who wasn't doing that also. And they like the effect we can have when we witness brave men and women who go through great struggles and yet share their faith in God, how they are deepened through it. Have you ever passed through the waters and felt like God was holding you up so that you would never drown? Have you ever walked through rivers of trouble and they didn't sweep over you because God had hold of your hand and wouldn't get you, let you get swept away? Have you ever been in the midst of the fires of hell and looked around and felt God's presence in the flame beside you? Maybe it was when you were sick and in hospital or in the middle of a divorce. Maybe it was when your family were being torn apart by a crisis or doing something unexpectedly, like losing your job or your home. God is always present but I believe we are more sensitive, more aware of his presence when we are in the midst of the flood or the fire. We hear in the New Testament, one night Jesus was praying on a mountain while his disciples were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. He looks down and he saw that the disciples were struggling, straining the oils, struggling with the wind, and the water was coming over the edge. But he wasn't worried. Jesus calmly walked on the water, got into the boat, and commanded the winds and the waves to settle down. And they obeyed. And the disciples were amazed. Jesus could have spoken to the wind and waves from the mountaintop. After all, he was already talking to his father. But he didn't. He allowed the disciples to struggle. More important than relieving their straining with, um, sorry, their straining was strengthening their faith. He needed, to, he needed them to know that he was what he was, not what he did. If he had stopped the struggle while they were in the middle of it, they might not have known that he was the one who controls it all. A different perspective and a different point of view. And as we heard in our New Testament reading from James, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that in the testing of faith, it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I wonder what life would be like if we really did consider trials a pure joy. I am so much a coward that I really struggle with this. I want a really easy life with no trials, but the reality is none of us really go through life like that. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's faith in God gave them the strength to stand tall, to stand straight and to stand firm. For these three young men, there was no doubt who was in control. But let's not assume that these men had no fear about being thrown into a furnace. They would have been petrified, I am sure, would have been maybe hopeful for a miracle long before they felt the heat of the flames. They would have read about the prophet Elijah and maybe hoped God would suddenly take them up to heaven in a chariot of fire, or there would suddenly be a torrential storm which would put out the flames, an earthquake, or any number of ways God could have saved them long before they were actually pushed from the edge into the fire. 
They literally had to be thrown into the furnace, face certain death at this point, before God chose to act and deliver them, meeting them in the centre of their suffering. What a comforting image of a God who doesn't let them go through the fire alone, but he meets them there, right in the heart of it. And well, not only does God deliver these three Hebrews in grand style from Nebuchadnezzar's arrogance and rage, but the king also promotes them and himself acknowledges the greatness of their God. Are we committed to God like that, despite the consequences we may find ourselves in? We are living in a changing world where our comfortable time as Christians may be challenged, where we may be asked by God to stand up above the crowd when everybody else is bowing down to worship false gods and declare our faith in the one true God, in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. As the great warrior Joshua once told his people, Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your ancestors, served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Ephraites or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There is no time for sitting on the fence when it comes to God. Let us be courageous and bring glory to his name. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we bring to you those in our families, friendships and in our community who we know are struggling today and we ask you to show us how to love and support them and for your grace to wash over them. For those of us walking in the wilderness, may you make your presence felt and a peace that surpasses all understanding pour onto our hearts. We know our struggles make us stronger, but we thank you for your constant presence and love throughout them as we recognise the many lessons we wouldn't have learned in comfort and ease. Help us to look for the lessons in the hardships of life and grow in your mercy. And when we are asked to choose between our faith and the gods of our modern world, may we also make the decisions that bring glory to you, O Lord. Bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.